Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters Radio. This is Dr. Ned Hoke. Today I'm going to be joined by Bonnie Meyer and her new book called Perfectly Paired. A Love Affair Behind Silver Oak Cellars. That's a Napa winery. And Bonnie and her husband, Justin, uh, started this uh, a bit ago. And we'll, we're going to be able to talk about the, the building of a wine business. We're going to be talking about the building of uh, a, lot of ro- a lot of romance. And not just interpersonal romance, but the romance of the... Of of building a success, a successful life, a successful family, uh, and then now into uh, of the post, uh, the post Silver Cellars time. So maybe Bonnie, if you'd be kind enough to give our listeners uh, a starting takeoff on now Bonnie Meyer is the principal of the Meyer Family Enterprises, and she's also involved in the Meyer Family Cellars. So update us in terms of where Bonnie Myers is today. What what are you up to? am I up to? Okay, fast forward. Um, so Perfectly Paired basically is it's a memoir and it's about uh, my love affair with Justin and the manifesting of the dream of a Cabernet-only winery. But we, uh, we sold Silver Oak to our financial partner, well, uh, about 18 years ago. And a year after that, uh, Justin died suddenly, so my life has changed a lot in those ensuing years. And today, I, t- I took the proceeds of that sale, and as a as a path to uh, create more meaning in my life, or or align align my activities with what I really care about, I focus my uh, time on investing in companies that solve an environmental, economic, or social problem. So um, it was called, it's been called impact investing for a long time, but then that got kind of watered down, greenwashing, people call it uh, sometimes. So we now call it regenerative investing. It's pretty clear if a business is actually making making things better, whether it's making, whether it's farming, making the soil better or making society better or help making the environment, not just sustaining. It's not sustainable because we don't just want to stay the same. We want to, what what can we do to actually make things better? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I spend my time doing. And I also, yes, am partners with my son, Matt, in Meyer Family Cellars. And uh, he 
makes all kinds of wines. Silver Oak, we just made Cabernet. When he first told me he was going to make a white wine, I was a little horrified. Mm. I said, what would your father say? Right, 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 right. <laughs> but, but he makes a, a wide variety of wines, um, mostly from Mendocino County. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. So he so he's he, he's buying the product of other growers, and he's he's making the wine rather than growing the grapes. He is yes. I, actually, Matt himself is a viticulturist, but interestingly enough, mm-hmm. um, I have a vineyard here that he buys grapes from uh, the Cabernet, and then the other wines he makes. The winery itself is up near Boonville, mm-hmm. and the other other grapes come from growers in the Anderson Valley. And uh, that that area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, of course, many of our listeners are local here in Sonoma, so many of our listeners are are winemakers themselves, or people d- involved in the wine industry at one level or another. And it's just you you, you can't walk out down the street. It, maybe a little less so now because we have so many tourists. But it used to be you're not the many, that many years ago. You you could hardly walk out this down the street in Sonoma, and not just trip over people doing something to do with the wine industry. So, Well, well, right, you know, and and when I first came here to the Napa Valley, you go to St. Helena, which was the town that we would go and do our shopping and hardware store, and everyone was wearing um, these um, work boots, you know, vineyard boots, and maybe jeans or or these trousers and the shirts. We called them St. Helena sports shirts. They had a monkey on them. Oh, okay. And they were kind of striped, the striped denim. And um, everyone was really involved in growing grapes or uh, making wine. And my son Matt lives in Hillsburg, and the same thing's true there. Lots and lots of people in mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. wine business there. So many more wineries than there used to be. Right. Right. You, 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 it's just it's just staggering, and you when you go into a wine store, and you, it's just overwhelming. And and yeah. of course, uh, now of course going back. Uh, so anyway, so that kind of gets us that tells our tells our listener what we're what we're about here. We're talking to a wine lady, who was got deeply involved in the wine industry, uh, with her and with her husband, and you guys met at UC Davis. Now, did you were you both there doing viticulture studies? No. Um, interestingly enough, I met I met Justin um, at a professor's house at a party that I was invited to by another student. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Justin was Brother Justin. He mm-hmm. was a Christian Brothers monk, and he was studying viticulture and enology. He was being groomed to to lead that winery, which was one of the largest wineries in the country at that time. Christian Brothers was huge. It had right, three, right. three different wineries, and and I was studying there, studying psychology. Oh. But uh, Justin and I, brother Justin and I, became friends um, through music. We played um, we played folk music together. This was 1967, mm. and and people had hootenannies all the time, which meant you just got gathered together and sang folk songs that everyone knew um, the most popular group in the country at that time was um, was the Kingston Trio. Right. And everybody knew all the songs, and Peter, Paul, and Mary was a close second. And so the first met, time I met Brother Justin, we ended up um, playing music. He played the banjo, I played the guitar, mm. and 
we uh, played music for a couple a couple hours that mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. this birthday party, mm-hmm. and we became fast friends. And I would say that um, later on, our our romance before before he decided to leave the monastery lasted about five years, and it was it was uh, um, both you know really beautiful but also a real struggle because um mm-hmm. you know when you get involved with somebody who's not available you j- we were both dedicated to um him staying you know staying a christian brother until um until he didn't and <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and right. but but i would say that that we later on um created the Silver Oak together really as as business partners and talking partners and and all of that and that music you know when you play music with someone you're really listening carefully to them and you're harmonizing mm. and you you just know by by a slight change in tone or their facial expression or something you know the raising of an eyebrow you know that it's time for for you to take the lead. And then, and then give it back to them, and you kind of go back and forth, harmonizing, and it's it's like a beautiful dance or tango, and and uh, being in business with him was very much like that, where you just tune in to them and you um, have complementary roles um, and make magic together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I I have the good fortune of having a a, ge- a genius jazz pianist for a younger brother who's married to a choral director, and I and I I myself have been in choruses uh, many times over the years, and so I know exactly what you mean in terms of the the way that you can meld, and and mm-hmm. and, and also how that leads to other things. It 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 doesn't necessarily have to stay there, but at the same time. That can be kind of like a basic downbeat almost. In other words, you mm. you kind of always have that, and and that also becomes a kind of a um, uh, well, anyway, a, a basic a basic place to start from. You can always go back to song almost, and mm-hmm. and and having song together and having music together. It, it seems to me, at least in my brother's case, and and to some extent myself, it is a. Sometimes a solution to marriage problems. I mean, it's a, but having music can be a real, uh, a, a special salve to other things that come up in the relationship. So I don't know. Did was that in your in your experience as well? I would say it it creates not music itself, but that way of being is, right, right. is uh, creates an amazing foundation right. for whatever you're going to do together. Whether it is uh, a romance that turns into a marriage, or whether it's a um, a, a winery that you create together, or wh- whatever, whatever you do, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it creates this really strong, beautiful foundation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so if we if we start to move through the book, uh, we've just talked a little bit about uh, Bonnie about the beginnings of this you and Justin, and and since there's a lot to be said about that in terms of the the struggle that it was to bring together in a good way, in an honorable way, in a way that was respectful mm-hmm. of the, the God connection and so on. Say a little bit more about that in terms of what it was that you, you, you went through yourself, in, within yourself possibly, and also what, 
what you and, and Justin were able to share. It, it, I mean, I'm not trying to get too far into yeah. where you, yeah. where I don't belong, but what what can you say about that? Because I think I I have known a number of uh, former nuns. I've known several former priests. I've and, and I've known people who sat on the edge of that. And I've always found that to be a very touching and interesting part of the human story, so to speak. So say what you choose about that. Well, what it what it. Um in retrospect, I would say that because we were so dedicated to not being attached, um, that that also was a huge um, recipe, actually, for success in our relationship um, all the years that we were together. And non- I've learned since that non-attachment is a primary spiritual principle. Mm-hmm. And... And I didn't really know that or couldn't articulate that at the time. But, but you know, non-attachment means you love each other wholeheartedly, but you're not attached to the form, and you're not attached to what they do and where they are and what they choose um, for mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, not only does it does it bode well for future happiness, but it but it really... Um, is a is a powerful element in a successful uh, marriage and and relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, maybe say a word or two about your background, your family. I mean, are you you come from a Catholic background? I understand. And, <laughs> yes. And, and and so that you you had that in common. I mean, and so that was we did. We did. Right. I you know one of the one of the stories in the book. Uh, the book has uh, perfectly paired. Has lots of. Um, I would say there's like three, three page stories. So it's a series of many stories, and one of them is, is no, I was never a nun, <laughs> but, right, right. but almost, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> almost. Okay, okay. I, I actually was, um, was thinking of being one. I was actually went as far as being accepted, and at the last minute, I decided no, I like men too much. I want to have a family instead. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we had. Um, so we had these deep shared values, and Justin used to say, you know, God, God is first in my life, and then comes my wife, and then comes my family, and then comes the winery, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, to have God first in your life also is a, a great um, mm-hmm. recipe mm-hmm. for long-lasting and, and happy relationships. And also a, a durable sense of purpose. I mean, it, absolutely. You know, <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the doesn't almost doesn't get more durable than that. Actually, so mm-hmm. so let's talk a little bit about the foundation of the of the beginning. Okay, we've 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 got you, we've gotten you through the the the, the tender process of. of joining this man and and you we've gotten you married just 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 barely but we've gotten you married and so now let's let's start the the visioning that you had because this is after all this is a lot of what this book is about is vision and you know having a vision and then making the vision come true and and you write about it uh over and over again with different parts so maybe let's start with a a fundamental vision and I'm going to need to take a break, and, and not quite yet. But let's start. We're going to okay. spend. We're going to spend a few minutes on vision, and then we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and do some more vision. So don't waste it all up in the, the, <laughs> okay. the first the well, first three minutes. Yeah. So start. I'll just say the vision. Justin, having worked um, 
at Christian Brothers, they were making 40 different wines, dessert wines, brandy, 40 different things. Right. And uh, sometimes in life we see something or do something and we say, wait a second, I really don't like this. I'm going to do the opposite. Mm. And this was the case with Justin. Mm -hmm. He said, I want to go from 40 to 1. I am certain that the best wines that the Napa Valley and Alexander Valley um, could produce is Cabernet Sauvignon. Therefore, um, uh, what my dream is to start a winery when we just make Cabernet, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And he was um, uh, the first person in in this area to to do that. Mm -hmm. A few people came right after him Mm -hmm. uh, with the same same idea. Mm -hmm. But the singleness of purpose Mm -hmm. and really having a clear idea of what you want to do is fundamental, again, in in manifesting a dream. Mm-hmm. you got to be very clear about what you want to do and why you want to do it and some idea about how you how you do it, although that's malleable right. as you go along. Right. So mm-hmm. say a little bit about how that you now, as you s- sit there uh, or however you are, how did he land on Cabernet? Was it was it something that he came from a, a knowledge place? Did he love it as a as a beverage himself? What what about Cabernet caught his fancy? <laughs> First of all, Justin Justin grew up in Bakersfield, um, this um, drinking beer and whiskey. So right, right. he little so he looks a little he, bit like a, a beer drinking kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, and of course he. he he never drank whiskey that I knew him, but right. but uh, he certainly drank beer. But he, um, it was really his studies at UC Davis and some experiments that he did there that mm-hmm. convinced him. And studying studying Bordeaux, although he had never been there, mm-hmm. um, studying France um, and the, the climates, the all, all of that. He said, "This is we ought to just do this. We have the perfect Napa." Napa and Sonoma County have the perfect weather uh, to be making mm-hmm. Cabernet. Mm-hmm. The perfect soils. This is what we ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Bonnie Meyer in her new book called "Perfectly Paired: A Love Affair Behind the Love Affair Behind the Silver Oak Cellars." Please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment. And welcome back to Health Matters Radio. This is Dr. Ned Hope today, joined by Bonnie Meyer, the author of a new book called "Perfectly Paired." Love Affair Behind Silver Oak Cellars. So we were talking about visions and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. So we're going to stay on that, that visions topic. And one, one of the things that I got out of looking through the book was, or I got a sense of, and, and, and of course being around wine people, uh, that's part of it, but also I'm a craftsperson myself. I'm, somebody, I'm, I'm a fine furniture maker as well as a physician. Oh. And so I understand artisan artisanship and, and, and that kind of thing. So I got the impression, or I keep getting the impression, that, that, that a lot of what Justin had was a really deep appreciation of the sort of artisanal kind of nature, the opportunity of, our, of the artisanal opportunity. And, and it, 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 was, it, it seemed like it was both a, uh, a, there's a, there's the craft part of it, but there's the spirit part of it. So is there anything that, to, am I ma- making that up, or is it, do I have no. that, do I ha- do I have that right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so he Justin had a 
brother, Justin, spent a lot of time with the first famous winemaker in the country, Brother Timothy, mm -hmm. Christian Brothers. Mm -hmm. And he had the good fortune of, of working him and re work with him and really um, learned the craft, not just the the science that he learned at Davis, but the craft of, of making great wine and the, and the craft of blending, which he was a master blender. Mm. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of craft. He had, a, he had a love of the earth. To watch him walk through the vineyard, um, he would touch vines as if, you know, they were each his children. He had a way with um, in the vineyard and a relationship to the vineyard. I have a I have a relationship with the vineyard around me, but it's it's a little different. He was intimate with mm -hmm, the vineyard, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and so there there was that. So he really had this relationship with the vineyard itself. In fact, he was the first one that I know of that ever said, "Great wines are made in the vineyard." And now that's an oft repeated phrase, but it's something that he he originated, and as he was primarily a, a viticulturist like Matt, mm -hmm. and and you can't make. He would also say, you can't make. Um, you can make bad wine out of great grapes, but you can't make great wine out of bad grapes. Mm -hmm. You know, it just can't happen. So it starts. It starts with the grape, mm -hmm. but then um, when you have a vision in your head, what you want the wine to taste like, when you have a vision of your head what you want the winery to feel like. When you have uh, this grander grander vision, and one of the other things that he used to say all the time, and they still say this at Silver Oak, we, haven't, we have yet to make our best wine. Mm. So this idea that you're always tweaking and, and striving, but not striving in a push, push sort of way, striving in a... In a uh, beautiful relationship way mm -hmm. with relation in relationship to the growers and the vineyards and the and the tanks and the barrels. Um that those are all subtle but important things that contribute to the magic. Mm. Uh wine uh from the beginning of to my knowledge of alchemy has been the symbol of alchemy. Mm. And alchemy is when you take something ordinary and grapes actually grow uh, wild. Mm -hmm. You can find grapes in the creeks all through Napa and Sonoma counties and, and all, everywhere. And grapes go wild everywhere. Um, and they will ferment naturally. But you take grapes that grown carefully in a, in a tended in a, in a vineyard and then you, you take those grapes and you do all the things that winemakers do to bring out their best qualities. I often feel, felt like it was like children. We, Justin and I, had three children, and every one of them came out differently. I mean, as soon as they were born, you know, <laughs> and oh, this is different than the last one. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and your job as a parent is to bring out the best mm -hmm. in, in them. Mm -hmm. Not to mold them into something that you have an idea, but to bring out their best, and and to give them the individual experiences that will bring out the best in them. Mm. And wine is the same. Mm. You look at what it is when it's brand new, uh, and 
and you make the decisions to bring out the best. Mm -hmm. And then you age it for, you know, in barrels of your choice for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. And and then bottle it and then wait some more. And you do all of those things. And it's it's a, it's an alchemy. It's mm -hmm. an alchemical process. Mm -hmm. So that what you end up with, these really fine uh, wines, whether it's Cabernet or other wines, um, that it's so much more and so much different than the grapes growing in the creek. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> right, and, right, right, right. And, and marriage is an alchemical process as well. So now I'm going to switch to the romance part please, of the book. Please, please. Um, so you take, you know, you take two people who you know, really enjoy each other, they're attracted to each other, they spend time together. But in that in that time, then when they make a commitment to each other in, in marriage and in life, um, it's, marriage in itself is, is like a crucible of, of uh, transformation. It, it's, you know, alchemic, Alchemy, uh, usually there's fire in there, right? Mm. The alchemist is, is using fire. The, the fermentation in and of itself creates heat and mm -hmm. is a type of fire. Mm. And in, in a love relationship, there is a fire of passion, but there's also, um, along the way, there's struggle, struggle and negotiation, and it molds you. And when you allow yourself to it, you give yourself over to it, you let go of your ego a little bit at a time, more and more and more. And it molds you as a couple and as an individuals into something far greater than you were before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all, all the way through your book. That, that's my sense of what you just said. That, 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 almost, could, that almost could be a synopsis of, of the book. <laughs> would be this... this a heat process that that makes something new, that something beautiful comes of that you didn't know was there, but there it becomes. And and these, as, as I as I, you know, kind of paged through the book, I I got the experience that what you just said, you, you that's what you accomplished. So let's let's dive back a little bit in terms of time because I I don't want to miss the 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 part of the book that talks about the family and the growing of the family, and the coming of the children. So what do you have to say a little bit briefly, but it doesn't have to be a long thing, but tell mm -hmm. us about the, what, it's, what it's been like to be the wife of a former brother, the, what, what, and, and who then came together and made children. So tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, our family life was pretty much like anybody else's family life. Uh -huh. okay. Okay. <laughs> Except we did... We went, we went to, you know, we, we did go to church every Sunday and mm -hmm. we continued to play music together at, at church. Mm -hmm. Again, him, the, him, the banjo and me, the guitar. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think our dedication to, to that was, uh, important, um, and constant in our, in our relationship and our life together. Uh, we also, we did allow our children, <laughs> We we allowed our children to play in the cellar, so mm -hmm. so um, probably many people who are listening who are in the wine business have the same experience where 
Well, wine business, unless it's really big, um, most family wineries you don't don't require a lot of uh, people. It doesn't take too many people to make a lot of wine, and and so. Um, because we were both working there, our kids would go come to the winery and hang out there and play in the barrel racks. It's amazing no one ever got hurt. Right. Um, and they would give each other rides on the pallet jacks and just, uh, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff that that uh, kids do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we thought of our... F- um, but we did treat our family kind of like I was describing the wines. We really looked at each one and, and did our best to give them the, um, put them in situations or give them experiences that would really bring out their best and never, some some parents put pressure on their kids to be a certain pr- profession, for uh, for example. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, we never, uh, never did that. And in fact, we were surprised when Matt, when he was a senior in high school, said very quietly, I think I really want to be um, in the wine business. Wow! And we were we were very pleased that he was almost really shy, feeling shy about saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how about the other two? What what are they up to? Well, um, my oldest Chad um, was all, always the guy who loved uh, working in the tasting room on the weekends mm-hmm. and talking to people and giving tours, like starting when he was about twelve years old, mm-hmm. and and uh, so he's, you know, he's an outward, gregarious kind of guy, and he has a wine concierge business, and he currently mm-hmm. lives in Bordeaux mm-hmm. and and procures fine wines for people that have wine collections and mm-hmm. big sellers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he's in the wine business, but a different part right. really suits him. Okay. And then my daughter's an architect and uh, works, in, and she's up in... Uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. and she works with a housing developer, and she's really interested in the environment. So she's a, you know, a lead AP and and all of that. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how she contributes to uh, sure and what her passion is. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, well, so you've got two in the wine business and one architect. That sounds like you're. You, you, nobody's in jail, and and it sounds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it sounds like uh, things are going along reasonably well. So, are you yeah. a gra- are you a grandmother as well? Yes. Um, Chad has two, mm-hmm. and and Matt three, and Matt's uh, Matt's kids were going to Matt lives in Healdsburg, and and his kids went to Sonoma Country Day, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then his oldest now is going to school, and I'm not remembering the name of it. Mm-hmm. She hasn't actually been there yet. He started high school. It's a, a private high school there. Right. Well, we we're going through a strange time, so it's uh, it's, it's yeah. That, that's how that is. So, yeah. uh, okay. So, one of the other things you talk about, kind of nitty gritty stuff about how it was the building of the of of, of Silver Oak Cellars. Now, we haven't really given due due diligence to the building of that business. And you do spend a good deal of time in the book talking about that. So maybe what we should do is we should start to build about that and kind of how it pulls together. And then the the, the mention of the, the I I was I meant to keep track of, but the name of your partner uh, Ray, I guess it is Ray Ray, Ray somebody. Talk mm-hmm. talk about how that the you know how how the business started 
And also, you, you, there's, it's, it's, it became such a swoon, I mean, such an incredible swoon in terms of the quality of the product that you were making and also the public response to it, to the product. So let's, let's start at the basis of that and then sure. build toward the swoon, if you would. When, when, Justin, when Justin and I were married, again, he, he had been a monk and, and I was just out of um, the university. So the sum total of our fortune is he had a dog and I had a car. Right. So um, we figured that we were going to start this dream winery very, very slowly. Right. And as we could, you know, afford it. And and then, but a couple of months before we were married, uh Ray Duncan found out that Justin had left the monastery, and he came to California to meet with him and talk him into planting his 500 acres of pasture into winery, wow. um, uh-huh. into vineyard. And and um, so Justin said, well, I don't really want to do that. I, I'm, I'm consulting at the moment. <laughs> I want to build this winery. I don't want to just manage, you know, vineyard. Mm-hmm. And... But Ray really needed somebody, <laughs> and so okay. uh, yeah, and and so he said, "Well, what do you, uh, you know?" So he's trying to figure out what would, you know, what do you really want to do? Oh, I want to have a winery, and so Ray says, "Oh, well, maybe we could do that together." Mm. And so mm. just over um, a barbecued steak on a picnic table, mm-hmm. they uh, agreed to be fifty-fifty partners and start. Silver Oak, and because Ray had, um, because of that partnership, we could start, uh, we could begin and grow faster. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Ray became our financial partner, and Justin used to always call us the the limited partner, limiting partner. It's a limited partnership, and we're the limiting partner. So we would buy as many barrels as for Silver Oak as Justin and I could afford. If we could afford four barrels, then we bought eight because Ray would by four. (laughs) We we started out slowly, Mm -hmm. um, which actually was a good way to start a winery. We also started out using some dairy buildings. Mm -hmm. And for 10 years, we used dairy buildings and um, rented cellar spaces for our barrels instead of building a winery. So we saved a lot of money by not uh, building a winery for 10 years. Mm. We also... Listened. So again, listening to each other, play music, listening to the grapes. We listened to the business, and we listened to our customers, and we responded um, to, you know, what what they were saying and what they what they liked. And uh, Silver Oak created we created quite a stir when we started having release days. Well, we had release days because our customers started showing up. <laughs> and that's a, that's on a, the day a... that our wines were released, so we go, okay, we'll get you some coffee, and 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 then we started having lunch around because right. so many more people would come, and so really our our business grew in response. Um, and that's to a, and, and, and that customers. and that's a wonderful part of the book, the story of the of the release day and how that just exploded and. And, and, of course, how you responded to it as well. So we need, mm-hmm. to, we need to take another break, Bonnie. Yeah. So, so hope you'll be kind enough to share with us. And 
So we're speaking with Bonnie Meyer and her new book called Perfectly Paired, uh, a memoir and a love affair story behind Silver Oak Cellars. So please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment. And welcome back to Health Matters. Dr. Ned Hoke today joined by Bonnie Meyer and her new book called Perfectly Paired. So we were talking about which one of the places of the book that I found particularly enchanting was the story of the release date. So um, there's a, there's I don't know how much more there is to say about that, but it, it is it is a, a, a wonderful part of the book for me anyway. So, so say 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 a few more words about that if Let you me, would. Yeah, let me let me move from that into the idea of resilience. There we go. So in in this time, one of the gifts of COVID, when Pete, we often talk about the you know what's difficult about COVID, but one of the great gifts of COVID is it's calling forth a creativity and a resilience uh, from within us that we didn't know was there, didn't need most for the most part. Life mm-hmm. is easy. Mm-hmm. Life is predictable. Mm-hmm. Now life is a little bit more restricted, not so predictable. And, and it's calling forth a resilience and we, in our own ways, are becoming uh, stronger and more creative. How am I going to solve for this? How am I going to solve for that? And Matt, for example, um, started, opened up a tasting room in Mendocino um, to pour his wines at right before COVID started. And then all of a sudden he couldn't have visitors. But wow. now he's got... But now he's, you know, built a, visitors can come, there's a little outside space, mm-hmm, there's theaters, mm-hmm. there's, you know, all of those things. All, you know, I was, I was in um, downtown Sonoma not long ago, and downtown, it's like half of the streets have been closed off and, and the, the restaurants have spilled onto the streets. Mm-hmm. And how fun is that? Right. I mean, it really looked festive, all the lights, you know, different kinds of tents and the lights were up um and uh, in fact i was at murphy's and that uh, <laughs> with a friend and and the um you know being outside listening to, to jazz and mm-hmm. and it was um and many of those things wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. quite like that mm-hmm. i mean in fact many towns had said no 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 you can't eat outside you no 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 you can't be on the sidewalk and now they're saying yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so resilience in in life is uh, just such a an essential part mm-hmm. of of really thriving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and listening, you know, in the same way that we listen to our customers. Now I'm I'm listening to what's needed from. For me and mm-hmm. from me personally, mm-hmm. and and how can I create an environment around me where I feel safe but also really productive? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I'm doing lately is I've become a, a vlogger. Now, who would have imagined? I'm camera shy. I don't like being in front of a camera, and yet I've put myself in front of the camera because I felt like I had a, uh, it was a way of sharing um, experiences with friends. And um, I've now produced about 12 of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which really cracks me up because I'm the last person I thought would actually create these little videos. Mm-hmm. 
So are are you what what are, are do you have a particular topic set that you're focused on with those? Uh? You know, um, each one of them has at toward the end has something to say mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. life, not just about the topic. Mm-hmm. So I did one on Sausalito. I went to a, a paddle in uh, concert and. It was Sausalito Houseboat Community that decided we want to give musicians a venue. They're starving for the for the opportunity to play to play music, right. and and it's a way to be with our neighbors where we're distant enough from each other and get a little exercise in our kayaks. Mm. And and but the message at the end of that was, what can you do in your community? Mm. Think about creative ways that bring and safe in a safe way, bring people together that uh, where there's music and laughter and, mm-hmm. and fun. What mm-hmm. what can you do? And mm-hmm. I did one, um, it's not it's not posted yet, on Fall in the Vineyard. And, you know, at, at the end of it, there's something about, you know, the cycle of, of um, birth, life, and then death, and the, and the leaves... Uh, falling to the to the soil and feeding that vine for the next year, you know these. So almost everything that we do, if you think about it, um, can have can have a, a deeper meaning. And to me, that actually that gives my life that gives my life meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ned, you and I were um, talking earlier before the show about uh, my friend Jerry Jampolsky, whose mm-hmm. most famous book is Love is Letting Go of Fear. Mm-hmm. And and being always aware of the the attitudes that I'm that I have can make life either horrible or wonderful. And and in my every interaction and in my every choice in life, I can choose joy and happiness no matter what the circumstances. Um, and Jerry, you know, taught many people that, and especially um, it started out with teaching children who were dying of cancer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be happy no matter what. And mm-hmm. if and if uh, if people who are dying when they're dying in the middle of dying, they can choose to be happy and joyful, then so can we. Wow. Right? <laughs> so can I. And, and, um, so to look, to look at every day and every challenge in a way that's positive, um, not, not to be Pollyanna. You know, there are, there are things that are very difficult. So the other, other thing that, um, and this is kind of, goes away from talk about the wine business. Uh, a big topic in, in my book is the grief journey. Mm-hmm. And Justin, my beloved, uh, died suddenly of a heart attack. And it was a big shock to me. I was 52 years old. I didn't know anybody who had ever lost um, someone, you know, a spouse. And... The journey was for me was very was long and difficult, mm-hmm. um, but I talk about it so that other people will have an inkling of what that journey looks like, and it's important now because everyone 
in this COVID time has experienced grief. And we have grief over, um, I don't get to, you know, it's simple as I can't just call my friend and say, let's go out for coffee and, and relax, you know, at the, at the cafe, the cafe is closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have small griefs and, and, um, a grief is letting go of our imagined future, you know, that this is the way life is always going to be, <laughs> you know, and, and some people have lost their jobs. Some people have lost their customers. Some people have lost their businesses. Some people have lost um, loved ones, or they haven't seen them. Uh, and they've lost the kind of touch or physical touch. Um, they're grieving that. So we're all grieving something right now. Mm. So, and so, go ahead. So, well, so maybe to come in a little more granularly on, mm-hmm. on Jerry's. Uh, Jampolsky's teaching for you. Maybe you could say a little bit more specifically about whether it's techniques or, in other words, there are sort of general principles. What we've talked about that, but but what can you can you share with our listeners? Maybe some either a story or some way that 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 was really a little a little bit more than sort of a forgive me my word platitude, but I don't mean that derisively mm-hmm. at all. But mm-hmm. I mean. It's, it's, talk a little bit more specifically about this moving through the grief process and, and what what kind of a, a actual process that you maybe experience and maybe with Jerry or someone else. So you can okay. guess, yeah yeah. I really got I got to know Jerry and and um, his work uh, by going to his center called the Center for Attitudinal Healing. Right. And it was in Sausalito, and I. Uh, someone told me about it, and there was a group for, uh, spou- it was a spousal bereavement group. So everyone in that group, and there were usually about maybe 12 or 15 people there um, in an evening, and everyone had lost a spouse. And there's something, first of all, there's something very healing about being with other people who are experiencing exactly the same thing because no one else will understand. Mm. You know, all your friends, they can be really nice and bring you flowers, but they won't really understand what it means to look into the closet and realize you need to give away their clothes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Or or the, um, how do I want to let go of their remains? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, how, you know my, the way my kids are acting up, you know, after the death of their dad or their mother. And so no one else understands except people in that group. And during those, those groups, the, so there are, uh, 10 principles of attitudinal healing that, that Jerry goes through in his, in his book, Love is Letting Go of Fear, and his many other books, actually, on the, on, which are all a type of synopsis of the Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, Jerry really put the Course in Miracles into plain English. Um, and but each time we'd have a have that those group sessions, there were principles that were repeated. And like, um, and one of the principles is love is letting go of he- fear, and healing is is um, inner inner peace. Mm-hmm. Is the definition of healing. It doesn't mean you're literally healed, but you, you get your spirit is healed. 
and I started working with those those principles, and it made a big made a big difference for me. And the the goal is is at the end of the day, and and really at the end of our life, at the end of each day, though, is to experience more and more peace. So, were, were these groups also places for ex- where you could express your your sorrow? At places where you could express, you know, where in other words, were they? Uh, I don't want to say encounter groups exactly, but I guess that's really what I mean. Were were were, yeah. they, were they intended to be places where you could open up your soul, basically, and and and, and share, share what whatever came out? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I remember one of the. You know, and, and you know some of the difficulties are, are with kids. When 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 a parent dies, then kids can really act out. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the principles is is um, uh, was it's I'm paraphrasing. When somebody behaves ba- badly, it's a call for help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it just um, helps you re- redirect your. We can have judgments about what's happening. And we can complain about what's happening, but you just kind of re- redirect your attention a little bit, and realizing that realize that maybe the solution is just to listen a little bit better mm. that 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 kid and not or that that whoever is yelling <laughs> and and to um, realize that they're just really scared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's got to be frightening for a child to lose their parent in any case. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, because as, as my uncle said to me, when long after his my grandmother died, his mother died, he said, I'm an orphan. And he, and he one day when he did and, and he said it in a way that showed me that he really meant that that's what he said. I mean, he really felt like an orphan in a way, having right. lost, you know, having lost the last of his parents. And so, you know, you yeah. you know, so. Uh, that's right. Not, doesn't matter how old you are. Right. I was, that, doesn't my dad my dad died at 97 and that is exactly how I felt I thought wow I'm an orphan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and right. even though I was caring for him instead of the other way around right right, <laughs> right. um so right yeah, well it, yeah. it's, it is yeah it's very touching that that and I guess part of what I get out of your book and what we are our, our, our conversation today again is is that you you say about you talk about all these things that that are the sort of stuff of life, and then in in the in 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 amidst the stuff of life, you you also talk about the sort of tremendous success that you had, the the good success, financial success that you had, in terms of your your wine growing business, and then the things that you did subsequently, in terms of now your investment processes and so on. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that what I might want to do with you uh, maybe another day. Is and it's, it's a it's a weak area for myself. I would this idea of impact investing, it's uh, and the, the things that go with that. I guess I'd love to do a show on that and hear your thoughts about things that you'd done and things you'd studied and things that you felt about it. Because I think one of the things that we struggle with, uh, at least for myself anyway, we is that how, to to try to deal with the financial life in such a way as to be honorable is a, is, is a tricky business. And, well, it, well, it is. You know, um, money managers or financial advisors, all they all work on the assumption that they just want to make you, right. they want to make money. Right. Um, but our, our world has gotten into a lot of uh, trouble. There's been so much damage because we're trading, 
we're trading um, life, our life, right. uh, the life of the planet for money. Right. And so there are ways there are ways to make money. It's okay to make money, but there are ways to make money that right. actually uh, give life. Mm-hmm. But I, if you don't mind, Ned, I'd like to say just a couple more words about grief and the grief process. Please. And, and I talk about it in my book so that it's not such a surprise. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, when, when people are grieving, they all, often, uh, their memory, you know, it's like you have a really, really bad cold or the flu, and your memory is not well. And you think, you know, my kids thought I was all of a sudden had Alzheimer's, and I didn't. I just was in grief. And there's all kinds of different experiences that you have that are all normal. And and there's a long list, and I put, there is a long list in the book of all the things that are normal. But um, but I what I want to add here is, just like COVID ha- at this time has gifts, that we can embrace, grief has amazing gifts. And I can't tell you what your gift is going to be. Um, you have to discover it, right? So it's discovered within the, in the process of the grief, of the letting go of life the way it was before. Mm-hmm. But um, I can assure you that when you embrace that process of grief, that there are gifts and you think you're going to you think you're going to die you think that that you know really going down into the depths of grief life will be over but it begins mm-hmm. and um i for myself i found my, that grief opened my heart and i didn't feel like my heart was closed but it opened my heart in a way that nothing else ever had mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. it just it broke my heart open well, that the cracking open of grief, of course, is one of the really typical uh, descriptions of what grief is about it, in mm. terms of what it does. It it, it 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 cracks open the heart, but it, but like you say, and it, it, given the right situation, also can let let in a lot of fresh new light. And uh-huh. so, and, and so w- with that, um, uh, I'm it's been it's been a pleasure to have you, uh, Bonnie Meyer, on Health Matters Radio, and getting a chance to visit with you and talk about this interesting new book. And so is there uh, anything online that you said you're doing a, a blog? Are you inviting our listeners to hear more from you? And, and, <laughs> sure. and, and, if, and if, they, if they want to, where do they go to do that? Yeah, my, um, my YouTube channel is called Divine Conversations. Okay. And um, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on my website. They're all... They're all up there, bonniemeyer.com, and Bonnie is B-O-N-N-Y-M-E-Y-E-R, and then you can buy my book there, you can buy the book on Amazon, Um, so there's there's, um, all kinds of ways to, to see and experience more. Okay, well that's wonderful. Well, we appreciate you taking the time for us today, and we look forward to more from you, and until then, we wish you well. Wonderful. Thank you, Ned. Okay, bye bye now. Bye.